Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday and welcome to Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn. We are so excited to be here with you and have this time together on a Sunday afternoon. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So listen, this show hosted by yours truly, Dr. Carol, is an exciting 10-part series where we have the opportunity to explore all things that are weightless. Whether it's weightless as in we want to release some weight and feel weightless and light in our bodies, or weightlessness to the spiritual, weightlessness to the emotional. And we go on this journey of that weightlessness, the weight loss itself, the weight loss maintenance, the extended health and wellness benefits, and how do you get to those health and wellness opportunities for yourself. We are so excited that you are joining us live and today's episode, my goodness, to be weightless, the theme, the meditation, the medicine of embracing Buffalo and our guest, the executive director of the Western New York Peace Center, ah, Miss Deidre ML, will be our guest today. And we will be right back after a word from our sponsors and listening to our exciting theme song. Here we go. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You work away Just If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, Penn Global Medical Group, and the Tocito Connection. We'd like to thank you for supporting this program and for joining us today. We invite you to listen to the podcast of all of our shows at anchor.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts as well as videos on YouTube. So for now, get ready to take notes, clean out your ears, open them up, open your arms, and here we go. Let's return to Dr. Carol and her super friend guest. Thank you. Thank you so much for that word from our sponsors. Oh my goodness, it is so exciting to be here. And I'm really excited to introduce our next guest, 
a first-time visitor on Waitlist with Dr. Carol. But you know me. I really like to bring our guests on camera, not just read their their bios, but for you to really kind of take in their vibe, to begin to get to know them, and for them to hear their accolades and hear them and witness them as we welcome welcome them on air. So without further ado, let me bring my colleague, the amazing, the wonderful Deidre ML on camera as we welcome her to Waitlist with Dr. Carol Penn. Who is Deidre? Deidre ML is the executive director of the Western New York Peace Center. Deidre is also a trustee, executive administrator, and program coordinator of the Congregation of Israel Cultural Center, in which she is a co-founder. She is an educator, a counselor, a community health worker, a maternal child health specialist, herbalist, urban homesteader, farmer, farmer, and doula. She serves her community with grace, integrity, poise, and great appreciation and attention to what's most important. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Sociology and a Certificate in Applied Sociology from Buffalo State College. Deidre has been certified as a childbirth educator through the International Birth and Wellness Project and the International Childbirth Education Association. Certified Doula Life Cycle Center, maternal, health, maternal Child Health Specialist. She has been a birth activist, family advocate, and proponent for international women's rights for over 20 years. Deidre has worked hard and kept the Western New York Peace Center going in more ways than we can say. She and her husband first became supporters of the Latin American Solidarity Committee and the ISCO Pastors for Peace. Her son joined Camp Peace Prince in 2014, and she became a parent volunteer every year since. The administrative, financial, and general functioning aspects over the past many months could not have been accomplished without her. Deidre has inspired and balanced our efforts since she started as office manager. Come she rose since February 2018. She is a wife, mother, caregiver, an organizer, hard worker, and peaceful, caring being. We couldn't be more grateful to Deidre for all her selfless dedication and vision. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Wait, I think you're on mute. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Carol. I said we have to uh, shorten that. uh. (laughs) Uh, How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I am thrilled to have you on. Uh, of course, 
we met and we became connected in such a, a unique way mm-hmm. with just something just extraordinary that o- occurred in history. And of course, we're talking about the massacre that took place in the city of Buffalo mm-hmm. on May 14th. So it is, that is the, the connection. That's how we came to be introduced to each other through this project called Embracing Buffalo. And we'll be able to get uh, a little bit more into that in a few minutes. But I, I just wanted our wonderful audience to, you know, kind of, you know, have that little, that little piece, that little bit of history. But I'm going to ask everyone now to join me and making a moment for ourselves and we take a few breaths together. How does that sound, Sister Deirdre? Wonderful. All right. So find everyone, go ahead, place a hand on a heart, maybe, and a hand on the lower abdomen. If it feels good, go ahead and close your eyes just for a moment. Drawing the breath in through the nose. And as you exhale, relaxing just a little bit more. Because we're going to really take in and grow and listen and transform in this conversation. Go ahead and take another nice, deep cleansing breath in and savor that and Relax with us as we relax and let the conversation flow on the other side. And one more time, one more breath in. Let it out with a sigh. When you're ready, let us all let our eyes open up and let's jump into this conversation this conversation. So how is it you are now the executive director of the New York Peace Center? And I believe that you are the first African-American executive director of the New York Peace Center. Can you take us a little bit on that journey of how you became such a daughter of determination to get from all the things that you are and all the journey that led you to those transformative steps, if you will? Take us, give us a, a bit of that story. Well, to make the long story short, I let go. <laughs> That's the long. <laughs> I let go, and you know things came together. Um, it's funny that you ask, you know, that about me as far as kind of how I got to this point where I am. Um, I just uh, talked to an an old friend. He was an editor at the Challenger newspaper. Uh, he's now eighty eight years old. But he wrote a story about me when I was 15. And it was a story in in dealing with the Buffalo public school system. And um, I basically, and I still wear head wraps today uh, for cultural reasons, but I wore head wraps to school 
um, sometimes, you know, days on, days off. But um, I was basically uh, kicked out of school for over two weeks for wearing a head wrap. My grades were good. My, you know, I everything was outstanding. But I had this head wrap on that, you know, the um, the the administration at that time, principals and so on, didn't understand if I'm not Muslim, if I'm not Muslim, why should I be wearing headgear as if I'm about to play, play baseball? So I began to explain to them that it is a, I'm African-American as a part of my culture, as part of my heritage. I am an African dancer. You know, this is something I am aware of. My mother has taught me my history, and this is something that the women that I look up to do. So shorten up the story. Uh, Ted Kirkland of the Challenger newspaper at that time wrote a story about me, and I was on the front page of that paper. And I would never forget, and this is a Black, um, a black uh, newspaper, a local Black newspaper. And I'll never forget when I was ready to give up, I had my teacher, um, Mrs. Yvonne James Brown said, no, we're not giving up. And I just said, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just a piece of fabric. And she said, no, it's more than that. And uh, I think that was a pivotal point of um, knowing that what I have to say, feel, you know, understanding my intuition and my connection, that it mattered. And that the way I lived my life mattered to the rest of those around me. It mattered if we won or if we lost. I'm sorry, I didn't notice that this was going to happen. Oh, it's all right. But time. The teachers in my high school at that time were so strong and they gave me a lot of strength. And, uh, and so we fought that battle and we won and uh, we changed the, the school code to allowing cultural attire um, to be worn in the school system as long as it wasn't, you know, disruptive or what have you. But that kind of changed how I looked at things as far as how can I make a change to my world, even if it's the surrounding world, um, my, my innermost world. And uh, my mother has always taught me to fight um, and, you know, and taught me that I was a queen and that I needed to understand my history and I needed to stand up for what I believed in. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, years later, you know, I continued in, you know, nonprofit organizations as a team. Um, 2002, my husband and I uh, started an organization um, that basically, you know, we teach and educate and try to uplift people uh, in dealing with social issues um, from a biblical perspective, historical perspective. Um which is a little bit different, I would say, from the common church or Christian church that people may be, you know, more familiar with. Um, we believe in Christ, but we also believe in Torah. And we believe that, you know, we want to uh, see 
equality and equity throughout the world. And um, and we, you know, try to show it from a biblical perspective. So I continued on this path through, you know, throughout my life. And um, I believe that's what led me to the Peace Center. And uh, what's funny is um, my school counselor, which was a big help in my life in high school, um, was also one of the uh, founding members of the Western New York Peace Center. And I did not know that <laughs> at that time um, until years later, we, you know, we bumped into each other and she told me about the Latin American Solidarity Committee and what, you know, they were doing for Cuba and, um, and the caravans, the caravan that collects, you know, um, supplies and so on to take to Cuba um, every year. And, uh, and my husband and I, you know, wanted to support it. So that's how we first got connected, you know, with the Western New York Peace Center. And, um, and my counselor, Maxine and Sarah, I always give her a shout out. She was just phenomenal, phenomenal. And, um, and good afternoon to you, I see. And um, so, you know, she made a very, you know, and she's continues to make a big impact in my life um, as a mentor and, and supporter. Um, so, you know, through the, through LASC, this is a short name for Latin American Solidarity Committee. Um, we supported on and off throughout the years. And then, you know, I said, I wanted something different for my son than his regular camps. You know, I was a homeschooler. I still am a homeschooler, but I homeschooled him for, you know, first five years of his, his life, uh, his um, school time, uh, first through, through sixth grade. And I said, you know, it have to be, there have to be something else as an alternative that will teach him more uh, uh, peaceful values. And so um, I kept seeing Camp Peace Prince. And I didn't connect the two at the time. I didn't know they were all connected um, until mm-hmm. I got in there. And so being a homeschooler that I am, I, I became a, a volunteer, a parent volunteer. So um, learned the ins and outs, um, helped out a lot. And, um, you know, they began to, you know, reach out to me more about, you know, helping with, you know, co-directing. Uh, 2018, I became the office manager. Um, I said, hey, Vicki, remember me? <laughs> I'm Salma's mom. She said, okay, I remember you. I said, hey, you know, I see that you you need an office manager. I'm looking for a little job, you know. So, of course, I already have this organization that I'm, you know, of course, you know, I'm not getting paid. (laughs) So I said, you know, 10 hours, um, you know, a week, you know, at the Peace Center, I can, you know, earn a little extra and I can still do something I I believe in. And uh, so that's what I did. And I've been there ever since. And uh, I think, well, was it last year? It's been a year already. Last June, I became officially um, the executive director. And um, I'm the first Black woman executive director in 55 years of the Peace Center. Um, And I think that it came about through... I would say the love that the Peace Center has for humanity. I think that um, it started out um, as uh, a laity, clergy and laity concerned, um, or a a chapter clergy and laity concerned, that um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. um, 
was a part of this uh, a national organization. And he made a call out to all you know these chapters saying, listen, we must stand up against Vietnam War. And the and the the directors at that time, this is before the Peace Center really became the Peace Center. The pastors and so on at that time said, you know, we hear the call. And, you know, they heard the call as uh, ministers of faith. And um, uh, so I would say a few years later, the Peace Center as a nonprofit, um, separate from uh, religious or or, denom- or denomination was born, and they wanted to make sure that it was de- um, non-denominational and um, non-religious, so that all people uh, could feel welcomed and know that they are, you know, cared for and cared about. So um, the Peace Center has been um, on this fight uh, since 1967, uh, first with the Vietnam War. Um, secondly, um, of course, dealing with the draft um, and providing um, uh, uh, protection and so on for individuals um, against the draft during that time. And, um, and then they began a, a, a fight um, against the uh, issues concerning uh, uh, Latin America and uh, connected with the Latin American Solidarity Committee, which was kind of like on its own for a little while and basically banded together. So the last 30 years, um, uh, Latin American Solidarity Committee has been a task force and a very strong task force of the Western Europe Peace Center. Um, and so since then, we have been uh, uh, supporting peace throughout the world in Afghanistan, Iran, and Yemen, um, Africa, and so on um, throughout the years. And uh, we continue to do that the, in the most recent years. We have really focused uh, centrally um, on Buffalo and and the immediate needs of of the community. Um, For about 15 years, we had a conflict resolution program we would do in the Buffalo public school systems. And um, and this was, you know, it was very good. You know, it was from the 90s to early 2000s. And now, and Vicki Ross, uh, as you know, is one of our colleagues. She's our former, she's our former director. And um, at the time she was doing a lot of uh, interconnecting in the community um, uh, and, and doing that conflict resolution work uh, in the Buffalo public school systems. Um, and also with at-risk youth and uh, youth that are, you know, that were uh, uh, in prison. Uh, I forgot the word for it. But, you know, uh, you under 16, 16 and under um, mm-hmm. in the same conflict resolution and self, you know, self-building work. Um, so that I hope to plan, you know, to bring back um, to our work because um, we took some time off from doing that and went more into the political atmosphere, especially when Trump came into office. Um, we really had to take to the streets. Um, it's not that we weren't used to taking to the streets. We've always done that. Um, if people know the Western New York Peace Center, they know us for protests. They know us for our rallies. They know us for, you know, uh, our campaigning. Um, but we really had to take to the streets in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 <laughs> and so on. So we we uh, we had the the largest 
I don't know if it's in the history of Buffalo, mm -hmm. but in the last 50 years, the largest uh, women's march and protest march in the history of Buffalo um, in 2017. And we had over 4,000 people come out to City Hall or in into the city, um, uh, at City Hall um, to protest um, the rights of women and uh, what women care for, you know, care about. And so we have, I have continued um, this journey and this, uh, this fight. And uh, those are one of the major things that connected to me was um, speaking up for uh, women's rights. Wow, thank you so much for the richness of that, the, the detail of that. And it is, you know, it is it's so good to, to learn this and to hear this history, your, your, your journey into your leadership. Could you define for us or, or share with us what, you know, really, what does it, what does leadership mean? What does it mean in your life and what does leadership look like? Hmm. I think, um, I think leadership means to look ahead. When you have a person or persons that are able and are willing to look forward, um, that always have the future in mind, um, they begin to walk towards that without attempting to try to lead anyone. Mm -hmm. But as they kind of go towards the light or vision that they see, others began to follow and believe, you know, that same light, I believe. Um, I think leadership is servitude in the sense of not um, being, you know, so selfless that you forget yourself, but, um, but that you care for yourself so much in, in preserving that you are, you have this this preservation spirit for the rest of your people and environment because you know that will sustain you. Um, I think that um, I think it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to lead. I don't think it's for it's, it's for the wimps. It's not for the wimpy. <laughs> it's not for the faint at heart. And you need, you can't do it alone. You're gonna you're gonna find yourself alone a lot. But you know, you know, there are people as you know, as you get to different points in in your leadership, there are people that, you know, kind of come into your life and you know that you can connect to for the right reasons. Or, you know, that that you know that helps you for the for the right reasons. As I connected to you, Dr. Carol. Yes, yes, thank you. And and likewise for this incredible connection. And now what I like our audience to understand if you could take us into a, a little bit of the the history. Buffalo is known as one of the most segregated cities in the United States. And you know, it it from my research and what I understand, 
you know, it didn't get that way by choice. It was created in a very intentional way. And I was just wondering if you could just take us through how this came to be a little bit of the history of that. Okay. Well, I can give you a little bit. Um, I was just, we were just talking earlier and I was saying how many layers, you know, there is, you know, to this, um, to the situation. And I think that it's, our story is really not a new story. It's really, um, we really have a lot in common with what we say, the Rust Belt um, cities in the North, um, Cleveland, Detroit, um, you know, places like that along the the Great Lakes and around what we call the the Rust Belt or where the factories, um, big manufacturing centers um, began in the, you know, in the, in the, in the early 1900s and um, uh, in, in the 50s and so on. So I think that, of course, you know, the United States is built off of immigration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in a city that is at uh, major waterways, you know, um, you're going to have major immigration um, before planes, before trains, you had boats <laughs> for, for, for major, you know, um, uh, uh, inter, you know, uh, integration into a community, uh, into, into the United States. So um, we have the Erie Canal that was big on uh, trade. Uh, it was a trade center. The uh, Buffalo, New York was the, um, actually the first city to have electric lights. Um, we were called the city of lights at one point. Um, so we were really a major um, metropolitan city for trade and and um, and for uh, new new Americans to come here um, from Europe uh, mainly. And so uh, as you begin to get into the industrial revolution, industrial age, now you have Irish immigrants, you have the German immigrants coming and settling in, in the inner city um, to uh, do manufacturing or for the manufacturing jobs. Well, as time go on, you have another wave of immigrants, right? That's, you know, Southern um, European and so on, another wave of immigrants. Now, believe it or not, because everyone at this point are European doesn't mean that they got along, you know? So each wave of immigrants People thought they were the dirtiest, that they were, you know, scum, that they weren't, you know, human, you know, whatever their uh, uh, prejudices were, they, because they were coming and they were taking over their jobs now and their possibilities of survival, now they were the the enemy, okay? So you don't just have African-American and European separation in Buffalo but you had neighborhoods of each immigrant group. Um, you had, you know, uh, at, at one point, the uh, Lower West Side was mainly Italian, um, uh, what we call uh, East Side Buffalo, Broadway area was Polish. Another, you know, so each area was really their own um, uh, society. So then you had the great migration, some people call it of the African-American, coming from the South, um, uh, 
in the, in the, especially in the fifties and sixties and so on, and a little bit before that. But you know that the biggest wave was in that you know fifties and sixties, um, I will say forties to sixties time, where you're looking for work. Um, what we had up here is uh, Bethlehem Steel. Um, you had you know car manufacturers. You had you know just a big boom in the industry. So you had many Southern people coming from North Carolina, Alabama, um, Tennessee, and so on, coming up here to look for work and sending money or supposedly <laughs> for some, you know, for hopefully most people <laughs> sending money back or I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to send for you type of thing. Um, my mother, my grandmother and her sister were the only two from their family in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, Brighton, Alabama. Um, to come up um, to the north. And she settled um, in Buffalo area and um, Cleveland. So uh, as African-Americans began to move in, now we have a whole nother situation, right? Now, there are already African-Americans here. Why? Because you had had, uh, the Underground Railroad. Okay, we are in the north, so this was one of the areas for one at one point that you could have freedom to the slave codes. So now the slave codes, now you have to go further up north. So we have different historical points in Buffalo, New York, um, at the uh, at the end of what we say the foot of Ferry or Broderick Park, where people would cross over the river, the Niagara River, to get to Canada, which was freedom. Um, so it's such a significant, you know, area for us and a historical point for us. Um, but and at the same time, at that Niagara River and Erie Canal, you had immigrants coming over <laughs> from Europe find, trying to find freedom, you know. So it was very interesting, you know, how all this was, you know, kind of taking place. Um, but you already had, you know, an African, African-American community beginning to settle here in Buffalo. Now, now what? Okay. Well, of course you have new immigrants. They don't want to give their jobs to African-Americans. You know, we're really foreign um, to them. We're really, you know, uh, beneath, beneath them. Um, And we begin to be an influx, you know, by the hundreds coming into the city. So um, what we had in the 50s and 60s is what we call white flight, right? Um, This has happened in many different cities, even Compton and, you know, Los Angeles. We had in many different cities of uh, now these white Americans are moving into the suburbs. These suburbs are being built up and um, uh, they're being sold to white Americans and African Americans, of course, they're in the inner city because where? Why? Because there's those are the jobs, right? The yeah, uh, the factory jobs, the grain mills, um, Bethlehem still, those are all in the inner city right now. So the African American is not really worried about going out to suburbs. We're just trying to be close enough to where we work at and survive. Um, so you have white flight. So you have whites, you know, moving out to the suburbs moving out of the city, taking their money with them. You have, remember, you got African-Americans that just migrated up here without any money. We're looking for money. We're looking for jobs. We're looking for uh, ways to take care of our families. 
Um, so these neighborhoods go down, okay? And uh, redlining happens, you know, as more of us begin to come up into the city, they uh, redlining begins to happen. And to make a long story short, redlining is basically saying, you know, well, I can't discriminate you against you because you're black in particular, but you need to have a certain amount of income in order to live in this particular area. Or you have to have a two family household or, you, ha- you know, certain things that wouldn't fit, that the African-American or the Hispanic or other people that they that were desire undesirable could not fit the description. And therefore, we were not able to live and work in those particular areas. So I'm hoping to make that a longer story, <laughs> a longer story short. But um, but it's very interesting because, you know, we are history is not disconnected from our present and our future, you know? So understanding our history, we understand where we're sitting today and what we're interacting with and dealing with today. I grew up mainly in Buffalo. I grew up, you know, my first six years, I was in and out uh, with Kansas City and Buffalo. But for the majority of my life that that's conscious that I remember, it's been Buffalo. And my mother, working class mom, uh, you know, nurse's assistant, worked in almost every uh, every um, uh, a senior citizen home I can think of, you know, worked around the clock, 12-hour shifts. I've lived on the east side of Buffalo. I lived on the west side of Buffalo. I lived on the south side of Buffalo. Um, year to year, we would have to move. You know, um, she became a single mom. And so... I've had the, even though at that time it might've been a hardship, I count it as a blessing now because I can say, hey, I am, an, I'm your neighbor. I've lived in, you know, South Park. I lived on, you know, Utica Street. I lived on uh, Lower West Side. You know, like I have been in those neighborhoods. I have connected to the, you know, connection in those neighborhoods. Um, so I see as, you know, I'm a part of the Buffalo community not just east side or west side community. Um, so I believe, uh, you know, that puts me in a, you know, a particular um, uh, seat or situation where I can, can hopefully connect all those, you know, sides together as, um, as I do my work, you know, as director. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I want to jump into also a little bit about the 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 whole you know concept of embracing buffalo in the story and how did you come to be involved with em- embracing buffalo and who all is involved in that okay um so dr sabrina and jai uh uh, social work professor and therapist. Um, usually, now you might have to help me with this one, but I know she would come to UB and be a visiting professor over the years. And uh, she knew Vicki Ross, uh, which is our, now our board chair. Um, and uh, and she, so she reached out to, um, to UB, Kathleen Hine, uh, Vicki Ross, and said, hey, you know, I really would like to do something for Buffalo. 
And, you know, what is it that the community needs? And um, I was thinking about some of the, the, the issues I was hearing about mental health and about the support that uh, some survivors were receiving and some survivors were not receiving um, because they didn't have a family member that died. And they were, you know, a lot of the, the, the people that were in the tops were kind of looked past for a while. Um, or that's what it seems in the media. And from what I've heard, they didn't really get a lot of support um, as far as mental health support and so on from their employer. And so I said, you know, it really would be great if if you can come and do some time, if it can be free and it can be um, just for um, the survivors of the, the, you know, the actual, you know, the, the situation. And those, of course, the, the victims, families, um, first responders, those who haven't really gotten as much care or attention, um, and also Black healers and um, leaders that have been there from day one supporting and trying to keep um, families lifted. Um, so uh, Dr. Sabrina reached out to you, Dr. Carroll, and uh, Dina Adler, um, and uh, Kenya, and uh, you know, says this is my team, and um, so that's how I got to meet all of you, wonderful women. And I just thought it was just it's a powerful dynamic, you know. Um, and that's how we began. We said we'll, you know, said we'll do it almost a week's, you know, worth of connection, you know, in the community, and we want to reach different people. So I said, if you're going to reach different people, you must have activities on different sides of Buffalo, everyone will not come across the borders. And it's unfortunate, but it is true. You know, so Main Street is this is one of those borders, you know, um, and we have Seneca Street, you know, South Park Avenue, you know, we have different, that's kind of like known, you know, people don't speak it, but you just know it and you can see it. There's a difference. Um, of neighborhood and, you know, and it's a disconnection. So when we think about um, this disconnection, do you see on the other side of this disconnection steps that can, that can happen organically or 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 maybe with not so organically with great planning that can can start to make connection happen again for the for the community um and and let's have some maybe some blue sky moments in there about what would you like to see embracing buffalo become what's the hope for the future yes um Hmm. I guess it's two things in my mind. I see a question that's up and um, I guess it, this can kind of connect to both. Um, so I, for embracing, embracing Buffalo was a beautiful, um, I would say continuation of the mental health um, community reach out with 
as people of color in 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 our on with our professional hats on. Okay, if that makes sense. So there has been a big issue about um, having mental health counselors that look like you, okay, that are people of color that, you know, that can connect to the community. Um, and that was one of the biggest significance of embracing Buffalo because this was all majority black women, okay, black women led and um, and actually a nice mixture of including white women that were as support and as, um, uh, 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 you know, giving information and connection and love and support um, that made this possible. And people wanted to see people that look like them on both sides, on both sides. So it was really important for us to come together um, intergenerationally and um and and you know uh with you know different um uh backgrounds to be able to connect with different people um in these circles and healing circles and uh you know we dealt with movement we dealt with uh breath work um letting go really saying what's what's deep in that heart and trying to dig out some of that um the things that can, you know, continue to break you down. Um, so the future of Embracing Buffalo, I see a more of a consistency of inner work that we can lead people in. Because as, you know, as the Peace Center, you know, we're always thinking about, you know, how to change the system outside of us. But we must change within in order to know how to change without. You know, as you know, you've heard this, the saying, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So even though we can have uh, a fire, uh, a, a hurt in us and try to fight the system, we can't go further. We can only go but so far if we are hurt and not healed. But if you're healed, you don't continue to be battered by what's coming at you, you can um, uh, progress and you can persevere because you're no longer continuing being chipped away at, you know, but if you're a whole person, then you can continue the battle, you know, the, the larger systemic, you know, battle. Uh, the uh, One lady says here about, um, you know, uh, the right to vote, you know, ha- have we been trying to encourage on a grassroots level, um, helping to fight institutional traditions? This is what we're doing. Um, as the, as the peace center, we have taken that step, that stand and that step, um, through integrating our board through, you know, helping ourselves first. Right. Um, traditionally, the, the Peace Center has been a white, um, majority white organization. And that's okay. That's how it started, you know. But they started wanting to help people of color. So I, I give them complete love and respect for that. And over the years, they have continued to want to do that. But now, uh, part of the help, though, for us to be more, um, uh, what's the word, more effective 
we had to change from the inside out. Our board had to be more integrated. And we make sure each year that it is uh, more integrated, whether it's gender, race, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, economics. We know we try to make a more gender uh, um, uh, uh, a board that is di- diverse. And at the same time, now they've chosen a, 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 a black woman to be um, director. That only means anything if I am heard, if I if my leadership is respected, and um, if my experiences are warranted. You know, so that's how we're making some grassroots changes. We have to make it from within, whether it's within our person, whether it's within our organization, or whether it's within our families. We have to start to make changes mentally, emotionally. And be healed from the inside out so that we can heal the world, you know. So that's why I see Embracing Buffalo going to help people heal from the inside out and, you know, and be accountable for our actions and where we are, you know, within our communities. And I want to say this I, I didn't notice, it didn't occur to me because I, I just thought of the Peace Center as a diverse organization. You know, that needed a little bit more black and brown color, but we was diverse. And I said, no, that's not really what we are right now. I said, you know, we are a majority white organization that's black led. And it felt so good understanding where we are now to and where we want to be. We want to be, you know, just a, a diverse organization, but that's not our roots. And I say it's okay because, you know, every organization didn't, you know, you have majority black organizations that might not have a white soul in there, you know, maybe working, maybe, you know, so you have on both sides, but you know what? The only way we're going to integrate Buffalo, if we integrate ourselves, we integrate our, you know, our communities, you know, we accept each other for the content of our character, as Dr. King, you know, would say, right? and not the color of our skin. Yes, well said. Well, we are going to just take a pause right here while we have a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to come back and wrap up on the other side. Good afternoon. Waitlist with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, Penn Global Medical Group, and the Tocito Connection. We'd like to thank you for supporting this program and for joining us this afternoon. We invite you to listen to the podcast of all of our shows at anchor.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as videos on YouTube. So now let's return to Dr. Carol and her super friend guest. And thank you again for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for that word from our sponsors. And so, you know, as we, you know, get ready to 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 wrap up today's discussion and all the things that we've we've thought about in terms of leadership, in terms of you know how Buffalo came to be such a segregated city, going on into the the project and the idea of embracing Buffalo. 
I hope that our audience is taking in how to be in touch with Deidre, Deidre ML, the Executive Director of the Western New York Peace Center, as well as how to support and donate for embracing Buffalo itself, something that um, we both believe very strongly about in terms of creating the possibilities for not just, it's beyond going back to the way things were before what occurred in, in May of, of 2022, but, you know, really creating something that that's new and building forward from that. So just, uh, you know, what, what are your parting thoughts that you would, that you would like to share with our audience today? Well, you know, what I hope to see Embracing Buffalo help us with, um, the Peace Center with, is setting a tone and a, a safe space for communities to come together to express their hearts, to express their feelings, their innermost feelings, to express their um, emotions and to let it out in positive ways and to let go so that we can truly come together as one community. Um, I think every community needs this um, for different reasons. You know, communities are separated, whether it's economic or color, or it can be even the same, you know, group, but, you know, for instance, we have immigrants that are Sudanese. You have the Northern Sudanese and the Southern Sudanese. And do they work together here in Buffalo? No, they're still separate, even though they're all from the same country. So it's the same thing that we need to learn to speak our truth, to listen to the other's truth, even though it's not yours, and to allow people to be as is and and to uh, agree to become better in the future you know so i hope that we all can do that for for one another and create those safe spaces for each other to have frank conversations and bring down those barriers of separation thank you so much dr carol i really enjoyed being with you today Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. And I hope this is not going to be the last time we hear from you and see you and, and, and have you again as a guest for the show. Do you promise you'll come back? Anytime, Dr. Carol. <laughs> well, you know, wonderful. We have certainly learned so much today and so grateful for the work that you're doing. So stay strong in the work. And if there's anything that we can do to support you, let us know. So let's stay connected. All right. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Most definitely. And please, you know, everyone, WNYPeace.org, you know, come visit our website and uh, not just donate, you know, just, you know, just be a member and see what we're doing and um, let us know how we can help you. Thank oh, you. thank you. Thank you. Well, 
This is a wrap for today's show. I'm going to let us enjoy our wonderful theme music for Waitlist. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone again next week. Thank you again so much to Deidre ML for being our very special guest today as we journeyed with the medicine of embracing Buffalo. Take care, everybody. Take care. All right. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You work courageous If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Yes.